Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, co-host today, John Quick, and we have the wonderful Suzanne Downing here as well. And we are coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. I just got back from Hawaii myself, and it's I've come back, I've came from 85, 86 degrees and sunny to 42 and partly cloudy, which I don't mind because if anybody's looked outside of their window here in Alaska, you'll notice that it looks like a postcard. It's picturesque. We got green leaves, we got yellow leaves, we got every kind of color in between. And I did the drive yesterday from Anchorage to the Kenai Peninsula and it was so beautiful. So I'm sure wherever folks are living here in Alaska, it is looking beautiful as well. Um, our thoughts and prayers still go out to the folks affected by the um, typhoon up uh, really all over Alaska, up in the bush. Some devastating stuff. I mean, that typhoon just wreaked havoc all over uh, northern Alaska. So we hope that federal relief comes soon and swift. And uh, we want to thank folks for listening. Our podcast is top 200 in three or four different countries on any, any given week. And it's the, because of folks like you who listen to our show. So we're we're very excited about that. And we've had a big month this last 30 days here with Mustard Alaska. We've reached about 50 million people um, on Facebook alone, which is big for us. And uh, we're very excited about that. Again, that happens because folks click, read, and watch. So if you like Mustard Alaska and you want to donate to Mustard Alaska, just go to mustardalaska.com. And on the right-hand side there, there's a donate button. We survive mostly off of donations that folks make to us. We don't, uh, we're not attached to dark money like other news organizations here in Alaska. We are uh, funded by awesome folks around Alaska, $5, $100 at a time. So how's your uh, day going, Suzanne, where you're at? It's fantastic. It's a beautiful day. You know, we've been posting some pictures from um, around Alaska up on our Facebook page. So do check those out. If we get a, a if, if somebody sends us a beautiful photo from that they took while flying over uh, some part of Alaska, by golly, we're gonna post it. And um, we had a beautiful one that I posted yesterday from Big Lake, a friend who was just doing a little flyabout because it's kind of come to the end of some people's flying season will end when the snow hits and they don't have skis, but um, others others will get, they'll find somebody to put the skis on their planes and they'll keep going. Anyway, um, it's just gorgeous out there and the weather is getting to be so, um, so crisp. It's, uh, it's just great. And of course, there are people in Western Alaska who are really struggling. I guess there are about 60 homes that were destroyed. And I've got to get to that story pretty soon here. Uh, there are a lot of homes that were damaged, but then there were some that uh, can be just sort of fixed up for the winter and, and can be lived in, but there are apparently about 60 destroyed. And quite honestly, that's not very many. That's barely enough to reach what's considered a federal threshold for something like a federal declaration. Usually you need at least like 50 homes destroyed. And so that, I think we're kind of lucky that we even have a federal declaration because it's, it's just, it's a, it's a big area that was hit, but few people live there. And it, for them, it is an absolute catastrophe. I'm really hoping the federal government will come through with a hundred percent 
restoration for those folks because um, it is tough to get that stuff repaired there. It's not like you can just call up and have somebody come over and repair your roof if you're living. Yeah, in, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen uh, out no, in the Alaska. It doesn't but. happen. So you either have to do it yourself or it's not going to get done. And uh, I just wonder if, if we'll end up with a lot of people moving into uh, Fairbanks or Bethel or Anchorage to uh, spend the winter if their places are uninhabitable. But most of the places that were messed up out there uh, were, were seasonal seasonal homes where people go out for fish for fishing and that type of thing. They, they weren't their permanent homes, so we can be grateful for that. Well, one of the stories I wanted to talk about was this story you did uh, a couple of days ago called Dark Money Watch, and I think it's fascinating. There's a uh, the Alaska Center put out a questionnaire which basically pressured candidates into committing to 100% clean energy by 2050, which is just always fascinating to me, to me because their definition of clean energy is, is probably hysterical. I mean, I don't know what their exact, their exact definition is, but I've talked to many folks on the left where their definition of clean energy literally means everybody's driving a, a Tesla. And, you know, very, all you'd have to do is very little research to show the, dramatic negative effects that um, some of these electric car companies have in terms of what their batteries do for the environment, what it takes to even get one of those batteries, mining precious metals in third world countries where there's zero to no taller, you know, uh, regulations for child labor laws or anything like that. And then they get this precious metal in a way that's almost criminal uh, via child labor. And they put it in these batteries where you know, they, they'll biodegrade, but it'll take them 6,000 years to right. biodegrade in a, in a um, regular landfill. And they're just horror. They're more, they're worse for the environment. And they're oftentimes charged with diesel generators or coal or coal. And it's just a joke. I mean, it takes 10 minutes to realize. I mean, if you like electric cars, I think it's cool. Teslas are cool, but by no means are they um, in my opinion, any better for the environment than what we uh, the other option is. So, um, but Suzanne, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this article goes super in depth on just some of the dark money practices that are happening currently in Alaska. I think it'll benefit folks in Alaska to hear about some of this. Yeah, yeah. And it's really actually pretty shocking. And you're right. You've got a situation where you look at California, look at uh, Gavin Newsom down there, what they've done. They've tried to get everybody onto electric. What do you think is powering their electric. I mean, it's coal, they've got a little bit of hydro and they've got some nuclear, but a lot of it is pretty intensive on the land. And then what they do is they, you know, they, they'll get a, a heat wave that'll last, uh, I don't know, six months or so. And they'll tell everybody that they can't charge their cars up during X hours and they can't run their air conditioners or they'll throttle them back. They'll absolutely just give them brownouts in order to conserve energy for other people. So uh, it, it's, it's really, pretty draconian down there because once you get them hooked on electricity and you control the electricity, oh my goodness, look out, you can really control their lives. And so that's what they've got going in California. But the Alaska Center for the Environment, well, it, it used to be called Center for the Environment, but now they just call themselves the Alaska Center to make themselves sound better. And they have now issued their list of endorsed candidates. And you know, there's something that people really ought to know about them they had to answer a question about whether or not they'd be willing to shut down Alaska's oil industry in 27 years. In other words, for one thing, they want to know that you will work in uh, to, to dramatically decrease uh, 
our dependency on oil in, I think by 2027, and then by 2050, that we would be 100% clean energy here in Alaska, whatever that is. They don't define what it is, but they ask you to commit to it. So now they've they've endorsed people like Les Guerra for governor, and then and they've secondarily endorsed Bill Walker for governor. We know we know that Bill Walker has staked his entire career on building a gas line, and gas lines, natural gas, used to be considered kind of a clean energy, but it's no longer on the clean energy list. It's considered to be not clean energy anymore. So I, I'm not sure what, why they endorsed Bill Walker since he's obviously Mr. Gasline, right? Mr. Gasline that, that he couldn't get built. So here are the questions they asked the candidates. Do you acknowledge that human actions are a significant contributor to climate change? And will your actions uh, to stop climate change match the urgency of its effects in Alaska? Okay, so you're, you know you have to give a little essay answer there if you're a candidate. And then, do you support transitioning to 100% clean energy no later than 2050, and um, uh, to help build pollution-free communities? Now that is 27 years away, if I count myself right, and that's actually almost physically impossible for Alaska to do. I'm not sure how we would go to 100% clean energy. I'm not sure what that is because recently I saw. I don't know about you, but I saw some really interesting video of bird strikes uh, from these from these windmills that they've got going on for um, for wind energy in other states. I mean, they're they're just they are actually just killing off their bird populations because these particular types of windmills they aren't kind of like the old Dutch windmills that you can see them a mile away. These things when they spin, the birds can't see them; they fly right into them. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And plus, not to mention the fact that Wind doesn't blow all the time. And uh, of course, here in Alaska, you can't go to solar energy because the sun doesn't shine all the time. And you're gonna go through a periods where you really need, you're gonna need to have massive batteries in order to warm your house in places like, oh, I don't know, Healy or Egigik or Kweithlik or Squanton there someplace. You, you know, you're gonna need to have massive batteries out in these wilderness places and then if the battery fails, what do you do with that? How do you get rid of that out in these off, off the grid places? That's not even to mention our major cities. So it's interesting that the candidates uh, answered the questions and they got themselves endorsed. There were no Republicans endorsed and that's probably because no Republicans bothered to answer the questionnaire because this is ludicrous actually saying that you will <laughs> get Alaska off. I mean, it's a lie. And these reasonable Republican candidates just weren't going to lie. But I wanted to address what you mentioned, which is the Alaska Center. And where does it get its funding? It is getting major funding from the 1630 Fund. And I've written about the 1630 Fund before, and I'm going to be writing about it again this week and probably in the future, because the 1630 Fund is a spinoff of the Arabella Advisors, which is a is considered by people who study these things to be the hub of dark liberal money. The Arabella Advisors, they spin off all these little um, different kinds of foundations and funds and groups, advocacy groups. And there are other groups like the, the Arabella Advisors, but that's the main one. And they, they fund the 1630 Fund, and the 1630 Fund funds uh, places like the Alaska Center for the Environment. 1630 Fund also funded the Forrest Dunbar for Anchorage mayor campaign, right? So they're very much involved. They funded uh, the uh, yes on ballot measure two. 
So that was brought the 1630 fund helped bring us ranked choice voting. Arabella Advisors was um, created by people who had been in the administration of Bill Clinton. And they went on and they went over to um, create this. It's a for-profit business. They work with left-leaning donors. They work with progressive nonprofits. And they're really quite uh, a bit the vast left-wing conspiracy. Now, I remember uh, Hillary Clinton used to talk, talk about the vast right-wing conspiracy. Arabella Advisors is the vast left-wing conspiracy. And in Alaska, they fund things like the nonprofit uh, newsroom called the Alaska Beacon. And they, they, they fund that. These guys are the people who are actually shaping the narrative for Alaska news consumers. And they, you see the, the Alaska Beacon, which started up in May. And they are showing up in all of the mainstream media now. They're showing up in the Anchorage Daily News, in the Juneau Empire, the Anchorage Press. And all of these mainstream publications are depending on the Alaska Beacon to kind of help fill out their newsrooms. Well, the Alaska Beacon is Arabella Advisors. And Arabella Advisors, again, Big dark money. So I'll be writing yeah. another story or two this week because I have a couple of other things that I want people to know about how Arabella Advisors is behind things. Uh, the the next story will be relating to the attack by a group called um, Salmon State, and they attacked uh, the Alaska Industrial Development and Export Authority for their projects that they do, which is try to develop our economy. And of course, Sam Estate is again funded by an, one of the branches of Arabella Advisors. So watch for that story. I think it's fascinating. Folks, um, we'll put a link in the uh, uh, podcast episode here to the stories that we talk about. But I want to encourage folks to go read the story because it really traces a lot of this dark money that's being spent currently. This is not something that's you know happened years ago or you know, uh, something like that. This is happening currently as we're speaking. And so it's very relevant to everything that's happening currently in Alaska. So folks, I want to encourage you to go read that. Another story, uh, Suzanne, that I think is just fascinating, which, you know, Dunleavy can't win in the um, Alaska press because, you know, it's outnumbered 10 to 1. It's all left, and then you have it's, it's a couple us of against us. everybody else. I think <laughs> yeah, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, us and a couple a couple other folks that try to cover the more conservative approach to news. Um, but if you just were the average person that picked up the Anchorage Daily News newspaper, which is you know one of the only the largest printed newspaper in Alaska, and you were to just read that, which there are lots of people who that's what they do. They they're too busy. They got soccer. They got hockey. They got. 17 other things in church, they're running a business, they're running two businesses, and they just glance at Anchorage Daily News every once in a while. You would think that, you know, Denleby's getting beat up every five minutes. Well, this is one of those stories, the Alaska Permanent Fund Executive Director. And it seems to, unfortunately, get even more interesting as the months pass. Um, tell us a little bit about what you just uncovered and, and kind of some of the story that you just uh, wrote about this morning and released. Okay, well, the Alaska Permanent Fund is, of course, Alaskan Sovereign Wealth Fund. We've had it since uh, the the early 80s, where we've been growing it. Right now, it's about worth about $75 billion. It's, it's been higher, it's been lower. Uh, it's it's suffering like all of our, 
our funds have been suffering. If you're for, if you don't look at your 401k, that's all I can say. It's it's not a good, it's not a pretty picture, uh, but you know, it'll come back uh, on the next the next ride. But of course, we're going into a great recession, possibly a depression, and we don't know exactly what'll happen with some of our investments. The permanent fund uh, is our investment fund that does two things. Uh, well, it, it it's our rainy day fund for when we run out of oil, we'll be able to run our state government off of off of it. And we already are running our state government off of it. In fact, more state government is funded by permanent fund uh, residuals than um, oil royalties themselves at this point. But the permanent fund is built of oil royalties. That's speaking of uh, this um, Alaska Center wanted to get rid of our oil royalties and get rid of our, our oil industry. That would really impact our permanent fund, wouldn't it? So the Alaska Permanent Fund uh, has gone through you know, various directors and it's been pretty stable for most of its career. But last year, last uh, December, the board of trustees of the Alaska Permanent Fund fired the executive director, Angela Rodell, and they did it in, uh, in a pretty decent way. They called her into a meeting. It was a quarterly meeting. They had a little sit down with her. They talked about how it was probably time for her to resign. And if not, they would go back into open session and uh, they went, would go out of executive session into open session and, and um, vote on her, on her dismissal. Well, she didn't want to resign. She said, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to resign. You have to do it your way. So they, they did a vote to dismiss her and it was a vote of five to one. So almost everybody on the board wanted her gone. And the, the, there was a quite a firestorm that came up after that in the Alaska legislature. Her dear friend, uh, Natasha von Imhoff, who is um, the chair of the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee, called for a hearing to determine whether or not she had been fired by Governor Dunleavy and whether or not there had been a political influence in this. And John, the thing about this is, is uh, normally this kind of stuff would be personnel. But in this case, uh, it was the Legislative and Budget and Audit Committee that decided to go ahead and make this whole thing a big political scene. So they hired a, a law firm to do an independent investigation, and they did that in January. And today, that would be uh, Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday. At one o'clock, Legislative Budget and Audit is going to be reviewing the report that is coming from their own uh, independent investigator, which is a law firm in Anchorage. And so about April, the permanent fund board of trustees decided, you know what, they're going to have their own investigation. They'll go ahead and hire their own lawyer. And so they hired another law firm. That lawyer and, and his uh, investigators sat in on the depositions of the trustees as they were being deposed by this legislative budget and audit committee uh, investigation. And they they produced a report themselves. Well, I did a public records request for that report, and it is absolutely fascinating to find out what exactly led to Angela Rodell's dismissal. And it, all this stuff makes me very sad because I do like Angela Rodell personally, but according to this report, she absolutely blew a fuse when she was fired and said that she would unload a political firestorm back on them, hold each one of them responsible, and that they would, you know, basically be sorry they ever fired her. Um, that's their side of the story. And but in depositions, that's what they told the the investigators. So I've got the deposition quotes all embedded in the story on mustreadalaska.com. You can read them yourselves. You can see what 
Corey Feige said. You could see what Steve Rieger said and what Craig Richards said. And you can, um, you can read what Ethan Schutz said, all of them, Bill Moran. You can read all of their quotes, not their entire depositions, but relevant quotes from their depositions. It's embedded in this story. And they, they corroborate each other by saying, no, it wasn't political. The governor had nothing to do with it. The governor didn't know. In fact, he probably didn't even know about it. <laughs> he didn't know about it. In fact, uh, he, I, you know, I believe, I believe that he thought everything was going fine at the permanent fund because the stock market was doing well and every fund was doing well and the permanent fund was doing well too. It, it thrived during those years. And Angela Rodell got credit for that. Quite honestly, you know, a, a lot of funds thrive during those years. And it, some of us think that maybe anybody could have done well when the stock market was absolutely roaring. But in any case, uh, uh, Corey Feige, the, who was on the Permanent Fund Board of Trustees, she, she was our commissioner of DNR and she was appointed to the board by the governor. She called the governor and said, we fired Andrew Rodell. He didn't know anything about it, he was shocked. And that's according to Corey Feige when she, she was being deposed. So uh, it's, it's a fascinating report. This is a report that is an independent report from the Board of Trustees themselves. And they did allow the, um, the, the corporation to release it to Must Read Alaska. Uh, we put in a public records request, John, and we got that report. I stayed up late last night going through it and then um, writing, a, writing a story today. And later today, of course, the permanent fund will, maybe they'll release their own report or maybe they'll sit on their own report. I don't know what they'll do with the report. Maybe they'll say it's confidential and we're not going to release yeah. it. Yeah, if it makes the uh, the person look bad, you'll see, oh, it's confidential. Or, you know, if it, if it plays into their narrative, they'll re release it. But if it doesn't, I doubt they'll release it. Right, they may not release it because it depends. But usually when you call for a special sort of investigation like this, the investigator knows what you're looking for and they're gonna give you what you're looking for. So their investigator may come up with something totally different than what the trustees investigator came up with. And now you're gonna have a he said, she said. So this is not over yet, but I will be uh, listening in to the permanent fund, um, the, to the legislative budget and audit committee this afternoon. And I'll be reporting on that as well. Just uh, you might want to uh, just check it out, people at mustreadalaska.com. It is a bombshell report. I've summarized it. I've gone through some of the high points of it, and then I've embedded the report so you can read it yourself and make up your own mind. And don't take it from me. Just read it yourself. It is um, it's fascinating reading, but uh, it does tell a side of the story that we haven't heard yet, and we're not getting from the mainstream media because they're only telling the uh, legislative budget yeah. and audit committee side. Yeah, they're only going to tell the side that puts paints down leaving a bad pick, you know, that's a bad exactly light. right. That's and, exactly right. Uh, Von, Von Emhoff has nothing to lose because she's not running for reelection again. Her friend that's gets it. terminated. And so what you have here, folks, is you have uh, a elected official sticking up for their friend who got terminated, which if I don't if that's not political maneuvering, I don't know what is. And I think one of the statements that says the best in here, the commissioner of the Department of Revenue was interviewed by investigators, you know, after this happened. And this was their statement. She, Rodell said that we were making a big mistake because no one would be able to do the job that she did, which to me, that is also a huge red flag. If you have somebody working for you that says, I'm the only person in the world 
that can do this job, that's a red flag to me because it's just not true. Um, and she told us, this. it goes on to say that she told us that there would be political ramifications for our decision. And so those two things to me are just enormous red flags. You have somebody who um, got let go that said, well, I'm, I'm the only person in the whole world that can do this job. And if this, if this stays, you know, if I get fired, there's going to be political ramifications. You know, she's basically threatening these people. That's a threat. And this and, is a person who is licensed to buy, buy sell, trade uh, yeah. with the Securities Exchange Commission, making a political threat against lawmakers, uh, against, uh, against people who have, not lawmakers, but people who have a fiduciary responsibility to Alaskans, the Board of Trustees, is actually pretty serious. Yeah, I mean, if, if this uh, was in the private sector, this would not and your investment uh, yep. manager at you know whatever firm that you're working with with made this court sort of threat to you like if you pull your funds from me there's I'm the only person who knows how to manage your funds and there's going to be ramifications if you pull your funds from me right. you would you would you know sprint for the hills you would not want anything to do with that person. oh you'd that sprint for the your... you sprint for the fbi probably yeah. is what you do because that's yeah. a, that's actually probably illegal and so uh, you know again we're seeing the one side of the story which is the side of the board of trustees they all in, in separate depositions are corroborating each other they they all are telling saying that she threatened them and they're all saying that she was difficult to work with. They're all describing her the same kinds of ways and saying that she had some problems there in terms of things like sending out a press release when, when the governor and the um, legislature were tussling over the budget in 2021. She sent out a press release describing what she would do if the government shut down and also telling the government, both sides, to get back to the table and start negotiating again and, and don't shut the government down. She inserted herself into the political discussion without telling the board of trustees and they were horrified. So there's a lot in this story. It is. It uh, took me a while to put together and understand, but I think that um, must read Alaska readers will get a lot out of it if they go check it out. That's awesome. Well, it's 30 minutes has went by fast. I think we're over 30 minutes and I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. You got to hear some inside scoop on a couple of stories that I think are very uh, permanent to what's happening right here in Alaska. We'll put the links to the stories in the um, in the description of the podcast uh, episode so that you can just easily click on it. And for folks that like to listen to our podcast, um, go back a couple podcasts. We had a couple of good ones last week. We uh, I was fortunate enough to interview a first for Must Read Alaska, we interviewed a president of a country, which is freaking awesome. The uh, interview is a little choppy because they don't have the best internet in his country, but President Whips from the Republic of Palau, who's a, uh, a country that really just loves the U.S. and they're an independent sovereign country. We, he was on the Must Read Alaska show and had some great things to say about his country and his relationship with the U.S. and his fondness of Congressman Don Young. And then Zuby was on also before that. He's a, a rapper. Um, he's a conservative libertarian guy. And he also has written a children's book with Brave, which Brave is a really great new conservative uh, imprint uh, book place that is doing some pretty awesome things in the uh, conservative book world. So go check those podcasts out. And if you like our podcast, please leave us, leave us a five-star review. Every one of those reviews helps we have about 700 five-star reviews, which is awesome. So if if you do like our podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere we have the podcast, you can leave a five-star review. And for folks that like to use apps, 
Uh, never forget that we have a Must Read Alaska app. If you go to the Must Read Alaska, or if you go to the App Store on iTunes or your Android phone, just type in Must Read Alaska, our app pops up. And if you use the app, uh, leave us a five-star review there too. Every one of those reviews helps too. So until next time from somewhere in Alaska, I'm John Quick and Suzanne, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day as well. Talk to you soon. Bye everybody. Yeah.